0: Depending on where you are in the journey, pretty uncomfortable. Um, and I I found it necessary and important to say that up front, uh, so that if you need to buckle your seatbelts, then then do that now. Um, Because, look, we live in South Africa, and whenever you want to talk about diversity, uh, things just become uncomfortable very quickly. But my hope is to kind of uh, take us through the scriptures and to show us, like what Carl was saying when he was up here, that, that diversity, the richness of the usness, is God's creative genius. And that it's something beautiful, and it's something that we should be running towards instead, instead of running away from, all right? And so uh, we're going to say some uncomfortable things, but I, I say them in love, and my hope is that you would journey with us, that you would journey Together. All right. And so uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3. And so if you have your Bible, you can meet me there, Ephesians chapter 3. If I was to title this message, I would simply call it On Display. All right. On Display. What I normally do is I read the passage and then I pray. But I'm not going to do that this time because we're going to kind of walk through the passage together. And so what I'll do is I'll just pray and then we'll jump straight in. All right. I'll pray and then we'll jump straight in. And so join me. uh, Let's. Plead with the Lord that he would meet us where we are and do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here this very morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you that it is active, that it continues to transform the hearts of people. And so I ask for that living word to be present with us this morning. Uh, That we're about to talk about uh, some things that are uncomfortable, some things that we don't want to talk about and engage over But yet we find them scattered throughout the scriptures. And so would you make it plain to us? Uh, Would you make it real to us? But would you pour your grace over us? Because we are in desperate need of it. Uh, For some, we need to be patient. Uh, For some, we need to take that first step. We need to move towards action. Wherever we are on the journey, Father God, I'm asking that you would be with us. Because without you, this is an impossible thing to not only talk about, but to do. Um, and so Lord, we love you. We praise you. Have your way in this place this morning. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen. 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 Now before I jump in, I'm going to give you a definition, at least our definition, our working definition of what it means to be transcultural. When we talk about being transcultural, we're talking about diversity. And so, and so at Rooted Fellowship, this is what we mean uh, when we say transcultural. A, a transcultural community um, is a community that reflects embraces and enjoys the diversity of its context, but by the power of the gospel transcends it and creates one new community. All right, That's the, the definition that we believe God has given us and that's what we're working with. Uh, Paul talks about this diversity. In Ephesians chapter 3, in fact, in many places in the book of Ephesians, he talks about this diversity. And so Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 1 Paul starts by saying, for this reason, now let me stop here, for this reason, now I believe it's important for us to understand what he was talking about, just before this, we need to understand what he was talking about, because he's going to say, well for this reason, this is what I'm going to say, and so I I wouldn't be doing a good job if I didn't say, hey listen, this is what he was talking about. And from this, this is where he wants to go. This is what he wants to tell us. And so we need to peel back the layers. And so I'm going to briefly summarize Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And I think maybe I should say it here that, guys, this is how the Bible works. See, many of us, what we do is we take the numbers and the headings, which are incredibly helpful, but weren't necessarily put there by the writers. This was done later for us to be able to navigate through the scriptures. All right, But the Bible, when you read a letter in the Bible or a book in the Bible, you should read it like the whole thing. It's intended to be read and understood as an entire book or as an entire letter. And so I think sometimes we run the danger of picking one or two verses and then running with it and missing the whole context of what this whole thing is about. All right, And so let me peel back the, la- the layers. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, Paul starts by talking about the gospel. That's what he does. He starts talking about the gospel. He says, listen, guys, uh, this is who we were before we met Jesus. That if you've crossed the line of faith, if you call yourself a Christian here this morning, he says, listen, this is who you were before Jesus saved you. He uses real descriptive, heavy words. He talks about you living in darkness, that you were uh, an orphan. In fact, he goes as far as to say that you were an enemy of God. But then he says, but God, two of my favorite words in the Bible, but God, God steps in. He sends his son Jesus to come and pull you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. That you were once an orphan, now you are adopted into the family of God and now you're a child. You have a place at the table. This is the first part of Ephesians. He's unpacking it to us. He's reminding those who have crossed the line of faith. They're saying, listen, never forget, never forget, never forget that this is who you were. But because of God and His grace, rich in grace, rich in mercy, rich in love, He sent His Son so that you might be reconciled back to me, God the Father. But he says this, he writes this also to those who maybe are still in darkness, still searching, still reaching out to all these different things, hoping that they will find life in them. He says, guys, you will never find satisfaction in those things. They're great things and they've been created by God, success and relationships, all these beautiful things. But he says, you will never find full life and meaning in them. Only, only in Jesus will you find the meaning of true life. That's the first part of Ephesians 2. The second part of Ephesians 2, he says, listen, this beautiful gospel has incredible implications. This beautiful gospel has incredible implications in that not only does it reconcile you back to the Father, but it also reconciles you to others around you. He, he does this by using an illustration. He, he talks about how Jesus on the cross tears down the wall of hostility. He tears down this wall of hostility that existed between us and God. Remember, we were enemies of God, so Jesus tears down that wall, but then he tears down the wall of hostility that exists between you and I. In Ephesians 2, he talks about Jews and Gentiles. That was the context at that time. He says to the Jews, many of you, many of you, because, uh, because of your Jewish heritage, you just assumed that you were children of God. It's much like today, uh, believing that because I go to church, because I show up at my community group, because I know a little bit about the Bible, then, then I must be a child of God. Paul says, no, he challenges that, and he says, no, listen, those things are an act of grace by God to draw you closer to Him, but it's only when you turn to Him as Lord and Savior, only then are you a child of God. And so he says this to the Jewish, but then he turns to the Gentiles. The the Gentiles would would be anyone who is not Jewish, all right? So all of us here would be considered Gentiles. And so he turns to us and he says, listen, you guys were far from God. What he means by that is that you guys were never close enough to hear the scriptures communicated to you. You didn't grow up in church. You never went to a Bible study. You never went to Sunday school and, and sang those great songs that the children sing. You were far from God. But he says, but Jesus' death, his death and resurrection has an implication on your life in that it brings you closer. In fact, it brings you into the very presence of God to have a seat at the table. And he says the implication of the gospel is now Jew and Gentile are now one family. Jew and Gentile are now one family. This hostility that used to exist because we are better than you because we know a little bit about the Bible and you don't. We practice the things that we see in the scriptures. We don't eat pork. Those were rough times back then. I'm glad I didn't grow up then. But, but we don't eat pork and, and we celebrate these holidays. We are way better than you because you, you're out there. You don't know who God is. Paul writes and he says, no, Jesus' death and resurrection brings us both in and we become one new family. A transcultural family and that is our vision as rooted fellowship our hope is to see a world awakened to the wonder of god this act of grace rich in mercy and love to be awakened to the wonder of god and his transcultural church the bringing together of different people groups cultures socioeconomic classes so that's Ephesians 2. Paul unpacks this. And now Ephesians 3, then off that, he goes, for this reason. Now we have a little bit more context so we understand where he's coming from. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, verse 2, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, assuming if you've lived long enough, you should know that you should never assume anything. Alright? Never assume anything. But he says it here. Assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, what I've just unpacked in Ephesians chapter 2, that was given to me for you. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. Okay, what mystery? What mystery? Paul, what's up with you in speaking in code? What what mystery? Verse 4. When you read this, you can When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Okay, here we go again. What mystery? Okay, now you add of Christ, but still, what mystery? See, at this point, I'm like, Paul, I was intrigued, but now you have my attention. I was intrigued, but now you have my attention. What is this mystery? Verse 5, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it is now being revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. It's like, okay, cool. There were people who who had no idea of this mystery, but now it's being revealed to us. Okay, Paul, I really want to know what this mystery is. He says, okay, I'll answer you. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. He basically unpacks Ephesians chapter 2 again. But the way he says it, he, he talks about it as a, a mystery that this was hidden but it now is being revealed. Gentiles on our fellow heirs. That's you and I. Gentiles on our fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. You see, this mystery, he says, is that the, through the gospel, the Gentiles are our heirs together with Israel. Th- this is maybe just kind of common to us. It's like, okay, cool, I kind of get it. But think about it. Back then, this was blowing people's minds. Because my whole life I've, I've lived as, no listen, we are perfect, we are God's people, uh, those are outsiders, they should never come in. And then Paul comes and says, no listen, when Jesus died, they become fellow members. They become fellow members. They now inherit the promise that is found in Jesus. Being reconciled back to the Father and then reconciled to one an- another members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. This open secret, all right, this now open secret, which was not understood in the times past, is that Jews and Gentiles are heirs together, that they are inheriting together. Members together. Listen, Paul was so blown away by this revelation that he he creates a word. He creates a word. If we look at the original Greek this members together is susomos. Susomos, a new word coined by Paul because no word could adequately describe the mystery, this beautiful mystery that, that Gentiles and Jews were now one body. There was nothing out there that, that could adequately describe it. And so he's just like, I'm just going to have to create a word. And this was common to Paul. Paul was constantly creating new worlds because um, he was just blown away by what God was doing. Ephesians chapter 2, when he talks about this, this new community, this wall of hostility that has been broken. And now Jew and Gentile, this new community, the word new, he creates this new word. Because uh, new in the Greek is neos. That's actually the word, it's neos, which means new in kind right? New in kind, in that, in that like this is, it's like an iPhone, right? It's like an iPhone. When they release the next iPhone, it'll be new. It's like a new kind of iPhone, but it's still an iPhone, right? Haven't changed a whole lot. It's like, I can. it's, it's, it's new, but it's still an iPhone. But Paul says, listen, that word is not adequate. And so he creates this word, Kainos. The bringing together of Jew and Gentile to become one new family. He, he says, this is, this is Kainos. It's new in time. New in time in that I have never seen this before. It, it's like when Ale- Alexandra Graham Bell, and there's some conspiracy theories about whether he really created the phone or not, but we'll not get into that now. Um, it, it's like when he created the first telephone. Like, people were just kind of like, okay, what is this? What is this? This is chaos. What is this? I have never seen this before in my life. That's what Paul is writing here. He says, this new community, you have never seen anything like this before. Members together. Sharers together. fellow partakers is the, the words that he uses. See, in view of this miraculous togetherness, in view of this miraculous togetherness, there is no room at all in the church of Jesus Christ for separation. That should be our conclusion. As we read these words, we should go, you know what? We've been on the wrong side of history. Because if I believe the scriptures, if I believe the gospel, then why do I see so much separation out there? If Paul is writing this and he's saying, listen, uh, this is going to be Kainos, this is Susumos, this is is something brand new, this is amazing, the bringing together a transcultural church. Then why on earth do we see different things out there? I'll tell you. Because it's so much easier to grow something when everybody looks the same. It is so much easier to grow something. You can grow something really, really quickly if you just gather the same people who believe the same things and think the same way and sing the same songs and vote the same. You will grow that thing quick. But when you bring people from different backgrounds, different cultures, different socioeconomic classes, it gets challenging. And so the easy thing to do is just to go, you know what, okay, cool, some people are coming to know who Jesus is over here. Um, Let's start a church just for you guys. And then, oh, okay, cool, there's some other guys here. Um, They're very different to these guys. Okay, let's start a church over here for you guys. And then, oh, at the back, okay, cool, um, some colored folk at the back. uh, They're coming to Christ. Cool, let's start a church for you guys. And then we stand back, and then we just watch these things grow. And then we miss out on the miracle, the very miracle that Paul writes about here. We are fellow partakers. So that means that there is no room for people who say that they, they believe what Paul says about the mystery. There's no room for people who say, I believe this, but do not practice it. Or maybe who rationalize it by saying, You know what, this togetherness that Paul is talking about, it's it's something that's going to happen in the future. It's something for heaven. That's how we rationalize it. It's like, yeah, we believe in it, but but not for our time. We live in a broken world and it's really difficult. So we're gonna we're gonna hold on and just wait for what happens in the future. That's not what Paul is saying. In fact, that's not what he does. If you continue to read the New Testament as he writes these letters, different people are coming to know Jesus and he says, I'm gonna put you in the same space. The richness of the usness is a miracle. That we get to be a part of. We are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus. And then hear this through, through the gospel. Through the gospel. This is what separates us from a a really cool NGO or really cool social justice movement. Now do we need those? Absolutely. But what separates us from those is that this richness of the usness, this diversity, this transculturalism happens through the gospel. It will never happen. It will never happen. Hear me. It will never happen by our own strength, our own wisdom, our crafty ideas. They play a role, but, but those aren't the things that we anchor ourselves in, hoping to build this transcultural community. It's only through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, because I, let me say this. As a man who studied law, I believe South Africa has one of the best constitutions in the world. It's not perfect, but it's one of the best. And in there, there's some amazing acts and legislations that, that are trying to rewrite some of the wrong that we've experienced as a country. And some of them have done some amazing things. But, but let me say this those things are temporary, they are temporary. They help out for a season, and then another problem pops up, and then we're like, okay, what are we going to do here? How do we figure this out? Okay, look, let's write another legislation. Okay, cool, and then, and then we, like, it's happy and clappy, and then, and then something else pops up, and it's like, oh, what do we do now? Let's write another legislation. Here's why it doesn't work, because we're not digging deep. We're not going to the heart, because that's where the problem is. At the end of the day, we have a heart condition, and it's called sin. And it needs the great surgeon, that is Jesus Christ, to come in and cut away at the sin. Heart transplant. Doesn't matter how good the legislation or constitution is. This is a gospel issue. And so we are in desperate need of a savior. This will only happen through the gospel. But let's keep reading verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Let me stop there. Notice Paul's humility. Notice his humility. He says, verse 8, to me, though I am the very least of all these saints, this grace was given. I said a couple of weeks ago that I believe God is doing something amazing through this church plant, through you. We are a part of something incredible and I believe not only the city or the nation, but the world is noticing. I shared this with you. But we are to remain humble. In all of this, we are to remain humble. Humble. Because it is by grace that God is saying, listen, I I see something here amazing. Come and be a part of what I'm doing. That's grace. None of us woke up in the morning and thought, you know what? Hey God, this is a really cool idea. Why don't you bring people from all different walks of life together? Like, we didn't come up with this. This has always been at the heart of God. He is forming a family for himself from all people. And so we are to, to labor in humility, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places, through the church. Not through one individual. No matter how gifted you are. That's not his plan. He says, through the church, through my body, this transcultural church. What am I doing? What am I doing? God is saying I'm going to display my wisdom. What is my wisdom? The grace that I am pouring out over you. That I am rich in mercy and rich in love. There's nothing that you have done or that has been done to you that will separate you from the love of God. That's that's the wisdom that he's saying, listen, through the church I am going to display. To who? That this might, might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places now I know we spoke about us being salt and light to the world because that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew 5 so Paul what are you talking about what who are these rulers and authorities in the heavenly places here's the thing as the church we're not only called to be salt and light or to display the wisdom to a broken world but the heavenly places are watching as well the heavenly places are watching as well think of it like this That all that God is doing is like a great drama. And that history is the theater. The world is the stage. And the church and its members in every land and throughout history are the actors and the actresses. God himself has written the play. And he directs and produces it. Act by act. Scene by scene. The story continues to unfold. But who are the audience? John Stott says that they are the cosmic intelligences the principalities and the powers in the heavenly places Peter writes about this he says that even angels they they long to look and see what God is doing through the church that they are are leaning over the balcony of heaven and going God what, what are you doing why would you forgive them why would you love them why would you care for them what is this gospel? What, what, why are you rich in mercy? Do you not know that they will, are going to come back tomorrow asking for forgiveness for the very same thing that they did today? And God says, I know. And I will continue to pour grace and more grace and more grace through the church, the manifold wisdom is being displayed, that they are going, okay, God, I see what you're doing. I see Jews and Gentiles, I see what you're doing. Different races, different cultures, socioeconomic classes, I see what you're doing. We have an incredible role to play, an incredible role to play. And so if the heavenly beings, if the the very angels who are are leaning over the balcony of heaven looking at the wonder of God, uh, if the heavenly beings see it and wonder, they wonder at, at God's creative genius, his tapestry coming together, anchored in Jesus. If that is so bright that they see it, then surely, surely Satan and his minions in their darkness will see it as well. Surely. That implication is incredibly powerful. Because many of us, we we show up on our own thinking, listen, man, I'm going to be light to this dark area here in this city. On my own. And you may do some good, but it's the light of the church. It's the light of the church. The displaying of God's creative genius. Genius. That the angels are like, what on earth is happening? Those who are against us are also looking and are freaking out. They are freaking out. They're going, wait, hold on. In South Africa, you're telling me with all that's happened, uh, people from all walks of life are coming together, and, and not just coming together, but they're loving one another. What on earth is going on? It's the manifold wisdom of God. We as the church play an incredible, beautiful, amazing role in unfolding the very plan of God. But I say all of this understanding that this is incredibly difficult. This is incredibly difficult. Maybe some of you are sitting here and in your hearts are going, amen, this is fantastic. This is, oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, but but you're going, mm, but it's, it's so hard because now you're already thinking about all those conversations that you need to have and people you need to engage. and the, Now you've got to start thinking about certain things. You're like, man, this is incredibly difficult. And I'm acknowledging that. That's why it's so much easier just to start churches with people who look like us and think like us because it's just I don't have to wrestle with that kind of stuff. It is difficult. And so, so how on earth are we planning to do it? Let me give you a few practicals. That I'm hoping that, that God would use to take us to that place where we would really, really display God's creative genius. The, the first one, to some degree, is kind of obvious. But the first one, before we start talking about anything practical, I believe we need to pause and just repent. We just just stop. If you in your mind are going, "I've got this cool idea, no, stop. We need to start by just repenting. What, what does it mean to repent? To repent means to turn from whatever it is that you were believing would give you life and then turning to Jesus. We just need to repent. And some of it, sometimes it might be comfort that you were running to comfort, convenience. That's what you were running to, that's what you were holding on to. And so, b- before we start talking about some practical things that we're going to do, you need to repent of that and go, listen, I, I, I can't keep running in this direction. I need to stop and go, okay, Jesus, listen, you're the one who said you're going to build your church. And so, and so let me follow you. We need to repent, not just rebrand. Yeah. See, many of us, I think we rebrand instead of repenting. We just rebrand. We, we change our look and feel. And we forget that the real issue is here. It's a heart condition. It's a heart issue. I don't want us to be the church that, that puts on the doors. We are transcultural. We're rebranding new words, super cool. But inside, we're exactly the same people. Chasing exactly the same things. We need to repent. But then the next three are, are a little bit more... Practical, something that we can get our hands around. And, and I, I got them from a great guy called D.A. Horton. They are phenomenal. If we are to be a transcultural community anchored in the gospel, one of the things that we need to do is some intellectual equipping. We need to do some intellectual equipping. Some of you guys just need to read. I. I I run into so many environments and have so many conversations with people and I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, where did you get that information? We just need to read more. Whether it's history, whether it's culture, whether it's languages, I don't know, just, just read more. Equip yourself a little bit more. I mean, even theologically, um, many of us, I include myself in this. Many of us, uh, we, we read people who we like, who we like, uh, I'll definitely amen him all the time on that. This is brilliant. Uh, maybe he looks like me, so it's just so much easier to amen him uh, or her. Or this is just like, l- let me challenge you. Take a sabbatical. Take a one-month sabbatical. So, so all the things that you love and that you read and that you think about, for one month, go, you know what, I'm going to put them on the table and I'm going to walk over to someone. Someone maybe in here, you can come and ask me if you're like, man, there's some really shady people out there, so I can't just be asking anyone. You can come ask me and then go, hey, listen, what, what are you reading? Who are you learning about? Who's your hero in, from history, maybe here in South Africa or around the world? Like, like, tell me a little bit about what you're diving into. And then just start reading start equipping yourself, and it's going to be hard. This is why I say a month. It's like going to gym. The first two weeks are horrible. Like, every day, you're like, "Mm, I don't know if I should do this. Like, maybe God just hasn't designed me for, like, physical training. Like, you'll say anything to get out of it. And so, for a month, you need a month, because only after a month, you go, okay, cool. I'm starting to get the hang of this. And look, you probably won't agree with everything. That's okay. That's okay. But now, now you know a little bit more to engage in a transcultural community, we need to do some in intellectual equipping. The second thing, that, or the, the third, that we need to do is interpersonal engagement. Interpersonal engagement, guys. If we're if we're going to be the richness of the usness, we need to get to know people who aren't like us. And this this one's quite obvious, right? In fact, I would say it's probably the most obvious one. If you're talking about diversity, then, like, duh, obviously uh, interpersonal engagement is something that we should be doing. But I believe it's the toughest one. It is the hardest one, and and here's why. For some strange reason, we forget that that the more people that you have in a room, uh, that means the more preferences that you have, Therefore, you run the danger of turning those preferences into prejudices. I'll say that again. Somehow we forget that when we talk about diversity, that means that we have more preferences in the room. And then, therefore, we run the danger of turning those preferences into prejudices. Little things, little things quickly become a prejudice, they have nothing to do with the gospel. Now, I'm not saying that, oh, okay, cool, does that mean that we can believe whatever we want and bring it to your trans-com-? No. No, there's just some things that we don't change. Jesus died for your sins. To be reconciled back to the Father, you must put your heart and life and everything in Him. We, we don't change those things. But guys, there are so many implications that come out of that that are so different that display God's creative genius. And then we take those and we go, you know what, I'm going to be the champion of this one. Oh, you want to sh- you want to share one? What is that? Like no. S- some of our environments they, they they start to look like a, a, a drug deal gone bad. <laughs> You've seen the movie, right? It's like a, it's like, okay, cool. Let me let me let me explain it real quick. Sanella, um, please come up. Come up, and then you can get you can pick any other person to come up as well. Quick, brother. Jono, welcome to of Fellowship, buddy. Here, yeah, this is how we welcome you. Come stand up on stage. There is no water. Good question. You, you guys have seen those movies, right? It's like, it's like you show up at a drug bust or a drug deal, right? Um... And it's like, we're all talking, and it's like, it's super cool. It's like, yeah, 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 you got the money, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, one, one person realizes that, hold on, this is not going well. This is not going good. And then, like, the music cues, and then slow-mo, and then the guns come out. It's like, whoa. What you doing? Who are you? What are you up to? Right? And all of a sudden, we're, we're pointing at each other. And it's like, super crazy. And then you always have, like, those two guys who showed up with one gun. Like it's like you know, like dude, you, you knew that this was shady, but you showed up with one gun. But anyway, so 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 like we're all aiming at each other, and we're like, th- this is what this is what some of our communities look like. We show up with our guns, like okay, cool, man, no, 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 I believe this, I I I believe this. What? Don't hey hey, you say privilege again? Say privilege again, like. And and then and then to the world we go. Guys, we're so diverse. Look at us, guys. So diverse. Transcultural. This is amazing, right? This is amazing. I love Bethel. Oh, you like Bethel? Well, we don't like Bethel, right? No, we don't, we don't know. Hillsong, what? No, Brown, no, what? I'm not into that happy, clappy song. We're the hymns. The, and there's always that one person in the room just going, I'm a vegan. I'm a vegan. Why do we eat meat? Like, like, guys, this is, this, this is what our community groups look like. It's ridiculous. And then, and then like, no, but we're, we're def- yeah, diversity. Oh, absolutely, man. The mystery of the gospel. Come on, Jesus. Hashtag transcultural. And I feel like people who aren't in the church, they, they sit there with popcorn and just watch. It's like, why pay 40 bucks to go to State kinico? This is entertaining, Right? we become the joke like hey have you heard have you heard about the church and diversity that's a good joke have you heard it this is who we are so so what i'm saying what i'm saying is that listen it's going to be difficult that yes we have more preferences in the room be aware of those preferences there might be some conflict but there's got to be ways of disagreeing with one another without demonizing one another. How do we do that? The gospel. The gospel. Thanks, guys. Yeah, you, you guys can keep those. Give them, give them a. Just don't, don't show up to your community group or city group with those. Um. Guys, we need to enter into this space and put the guns down. Put the guns down acknowledge that I'm walking into a space that's going to have lots of preferences. Come as one who's willing to learn. You may walk out and go, yeah, I'm still not on the same boat, but you know what? My brother and sister, they get to worship God and, and, and meet Him and engage Him in that way, and that's incredible, and so that should be enough for me. It's crazy how we fight over music, how how we fight over worship because I'm not feeling it and I'm not connecting. Guys, let let, let me keep it real. Let me keep it real. Worship is not about you. Oh, that just happened. (laughs) It's not about you. When Paul writes in Ephesians, he he says that we are to to sing songs and, and spiritual songs and hymns to one another to one another, that when you gather and you sing, yes, it's to meet with God, absolutely, that we are being reconciled to the Father because this wall of hostility has been broken, but we're being reconciled to one another. And so when I sing, I get to sing these words of encouragement to my brothers and my sisters who are next to me. We forget that and we make it about us. We're so individualistic. We might, if that was the case, then surely we should show up to church with our iPhones and these things in our ears and just jam out, jam out to your own thing until I come up and start talking about Jesus. But we don't. We gather together and we sing together. Interpersonal engagement. The last thing that I believe we're going to need as we journey on this to become a transcultural community is interdependent endurance. Interdependent endurance. That we need one another. We need one another. As much as I love the black church, and oh, I love the black church, (laughs) they are not the ones on their own to display this manifold wisdom of God. As much as I love the white church, it's like you're not allowed to move out of here. There's like a a force beam (laughs) that keeps you here. As much as I love them, On their own, they are not going to fully display the manifold wisdom of God. But it's us together, coloreds, Indians, blacks, whites, poor, rich, educated, uneducated, living in the suburbs, living in the townships, in the rural areas, all of us who love Jesus, when we come together, we display the richness of the usness is only found in Jesus Christ. Only then. And so we need one another. And so I don't get it when people are like, you know what, I'm done. I'm done with black people, man. I just can't anymore. I just can't anymore. It's like, what do you mean you're done? So you no longer want to be a part of what God is doing. Is, is that what you're saying? Interdependent endurance. I need you to make it. You need me to make it. So we need to Repent. We need to intellectually equip one another. We need these interpersonal engagements and then interdependent endurance. But even having said all of this, guys, this is still incredibly difficult. All right, This is incredibly difficult. I'll land the plane here. Lots of people are going to look at you when you share this at your place of work, where you live, where you play You're going to share this, and people are going to be like, "Yo, it's so good, you know, it's a good thing, but it's just really tough. We tried it in 1960-whatever, and it just, yeah, it just didn't work. It's going to be difficult. This is what we say. This is our response. We acknowledge the fact that this is going to be difficult, but then this is what we say. Ephesians 3 verse 11 this was according to the eternal purpose, this, this very plan of God. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. He has realized this. That this is a done deal, that this is happening. So the question is, are you willing to be a part of what God is doing? Because it's a done deal. He's realized this in Christ Jesus, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him, meaning that when it does get difficult, notice I use the word when, when it does get difficult, we have access to the throne of God, that we can come to him and say, Jesus, I'm struggling, I don't want to love my brother and my sisters, I don't, I want to be on my own, guys, let me talk about me, there are moments where I'm like, you know what, it's just easier to hang out with guys who listen to hip-hop, who kick it, who love ribs, man, It's it's just so much easier. That's why I need to come to the throne of God. I have access to him. Verse 13, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. That is our response to a broken world that tells us this is impossible, that this is difficult. It's like, it's okay, don't lose heart over what we are suffering. Will we suffer? Absolutely. But we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. But there's coming a day where we will stand in his glory. And know that we were a part of something so amazing that God had to be in it. To see a world awakened to the wonder of God. And his transcultural church. Let's pray. And so Father, it's, it's to that end that I, that I come, that we come. Uh, acknowledging that we need you. We're in desperate need of you. That many of us, if not all, want to see this happen in our personal spaces, in our city, in our nation. And I believe that you are at work. This very passage tells us that, that you are at work through the church. And so we want to come saying, Lord, let your will be done, let your kingdom come, not our own. Let your power come, not our own. Let your wisdom come, not our own. We are in desperate need of you. Remind us of this every day. And we are thankful to be on this journey, joining many others all around the world, seeking to see a world awakened to you, to your mercy, your grace, and your love. In Jesus' beautiful name we pray. Amen.